You're listening to the Heart of the Matter podcast with me, Naomi Sturdy. This podcast is aiming to have discussions and conversations on yoga, society shifts and changes, mental health, physical health, creativity, careers, and life. This Irish podcast aims to dig deeper and get to the heart of the matter on who we are and why we are doing what we are doing. Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of this third series. This podcast was started this year, so it's interesting. I've kind of been reflecting, um, you know, as we do, coming into the winter and towards the end of the year of, you know, the journey of the podcast and what's been happening and how it's all been going. And I kind of started the podcast with a little bit of um, just throwing myself into it, really, like not really... Uh, having a specific strategy or a plan or objective and I guess if there was any aim or intention behind the whole thing like the heart of the matter is it's about opening conversations and and dialogue to aspects of each other that perhaps like we don't necessarily connect to every day and I think it's a big thing for for me and for a lot of us that when we're in our everyday we're kind of maybe making, you know, our work conversations or we might be talking about family life or the weather or whatever it is. And the the joy of these podcasts is it kind of cuts past all of that and we get to maybe have bigger perspective conversations about what we're actually up to like what how we feel you know what our experiences are and you know the reasons why we're we're doing anything that we are doing and that for me is so important because I think when we can make these conversations a bit more regular and we're listening to them and we can then start to put language to all of these different ideas that it becomes a little bit more mainstream in our experience and in our everyday and it doesn't necessarily have to be something that's really unusual and um and yeah like kind of not maybe our comfort zone if that makes sense so in this episode in particular um I spoke with Mary Kennedy and she's a wonderful speaker she she really articulates well uh, these aspects that I in particular wanted for the podcast these conversations about our life and the journeys we are on and then how we can navigate all the different experiences of being human the good the bad the messy um, and navigate that a little more skillfully perhaps and it's it's an acknowledgement of um you know that that we are a conglomeration of experiences and that you know, when we can sort of wake up to that a little bit more, it's, um, it just becomes a bit more realistic, really, about who we are. And I know Mary um, is 
really widely respected in this community in Dublin. So I hope that if you are listening uh, outside Dublin, that you enjoy hearing what she has to share. And um, for any of the links, you'll find them on my website, elementsyoga.ie. And I've put up a link um, there with Mary on another podcast she did, just because I thought it was so interesting and also kind of hit a few aspects that myself and Mary didn't necessarily discuss. So if you want to listen to that one as well, you can go on my website. And then if you have anything to share with me or feedback or anything as usual, you can email me naomi at elementsyoga.ie and you can get me on Instagram naomi.sturdy and Facebook is Elements Yoga. So, so yeah, hope you're keeping well and that you enjoy this chat with Mary. afternoon Mary officially <laughs> um, thank you for having me here today and um, it's really uh, a pleasure to get to be able to, to chat to you so uh, so thank you and um, we might start I was just saying to you before we press record that the the title of my podcast is heart of the matter so maybe we'll start with uh, what's uh, at the heart of the matter for you at the moment <laughs> Whoa, um, God. <laughs> Just start with a really big question. <laughs> big question. <laughs> what is at the heart? Well, I suppose to the forefront of my heart would be, um, like in so many people, just the sense of where we are in the planet, on the planet right now, um, beyond just the climate. I mean, on all crises, on all levels, um, that's very much in the forefront. But, but as it's not in any way frightening to me. Um, I don't know whether I'm just an optimist by heart, but my heart usually does hold a lot of hope. Um, and also, it, it's not based just on on just you know magical thinking or, but it's more to do with I just see so many people showing up and stepping up and actually bringing the changes into their own lives into their on the personal level um and i know that has an effect on the the more systemic level or the more um, universal level you know there are amazing i work a lot with women and so it's incredible i've just launched an online program and i've got to talk to a lot of women all over the world you know and it's because it's to do with celtic wisdom um these women are just showing up and t- telling me about the work they're doing or what their journey has been developmentally or how they're really committed to their own personal growth and their community. And um, that's a story we don't hear so much. You know, we can all get so uh, taken over by the fear and the anxiety around the climate crisis. And that's really important because we need that shot in the arm. But the danger of that, in it, like anything, if it's if it's taken too far, it actually can paralyze us, you know. So that's to the forefront. And there's loads of, I've had a really, I've been really lucky because in my own life, particularly in the last 14 or 15 years, is that I've been on my own journey of, um, yeah, transformation and really looking at how am I showing up and my values and um, 
Am I living congruently to my heart? And in that journey, I've met an awful lot of people on the same journey all over the world. I've been so lucky, you know, I've trained a lot of my teachers are in America, weirdly, even though, you know, you kind of think, oh, you know, how come they're from? But there's amazing teaching in America and amazing groups of people over there who are really committed to the evolution of our species and committed to really committed to showing up together and in, in, in a more collective intelligence which I think is absolutely essential for us to move out of this time into which has been very based on the individual and based very much on a more um, patriarchal way of being in the world mm. and I don't say that kind of patriarchal I'm always conscious of that word I don't I don't say that in a way that it's it's anti-men it's nothing to do with men it's to do with the system that had a had it's a way of system. Yeah, yeah, that values yeah. more that masculine doing mm. and produ- producing and, you know, expanding, exponential expansion, mm. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, so you touched on a, a lot of things there. Um, <laughs> you asked me the question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, say, um, you know, kind of what I'm getting a sense of, and I've felt this myself, that we can have, you know, maybe a sense of overwhelm at the moment and when we hear negative news or if it's news in relation to the climate almost like a losing of hope whereas I I hear what you're saying is within all of that kind of for you at the moment at the heart of it is actually holding a sense of hope and you're meeting these other women or people you've trained with that have shown you well there's loads of good things are happening and people are waking up and having their transformations like you had yours yeah um so yeah it's a it's actually a great place to start with that sense of hope um sort of holding the container for that i guess and and i think the important thing is that yeah the hope is not based on you know wishful thinking the hope is like at its foundation is having conversations with these women seeing these women but also men, like there are two amazing men in, in England, that uh, in London, and they run um, uh, a great online uh, channel, which is Rebel Wisdom. And, um, you know, I'm in contact with them, and, and there's a whole tribe of people around that. And another great podcast that's really u- interesting to listen to is um, Future Thinkers. You know, and they're, I think they're based in Bulgaria, Slovenia, but these are all people that are looking at having not just having conversations about new the new meaning making how are we making meaning of this world because it is in collapse um mm. so what is going to emerge out of that but not just having conversations but they're also really um really interested in in the practices of mm. like how do we embody this not just intellectually speak about it mm. yeah um and what comes to mind i guess for me there is like say younger generations today or even for ourselves I think we can become accustomed to the the new way of speaking or the new terminologies or the new maybe rhetorics that we hear and feel oh yeah this is how it's always been but sometimes it almost takes that little tuning in and going wait a second that's not what I believe yeah you know um so if it's like that negative news or fear-based um headlines or that kind of thing so for me like I and I presume you're the same I'm lucky in the sense I was of the generation that didn't always have the computer in my pocket Mm. or you know I I can go back to something go wait 
how did I used to feel about this kind of thing or how did I used to think and behave? So before, say, you're now working in this kind of online sphere, um, if we travel back a little bit, how did you get into yoga teaching? Like what led to that training? And Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I was... Um, in, I, I was in the middle of my 30s and I was really busy and back then you know you didn't have class passes you had things like buy eight classes you know yes and, yeah and I would buy eight and go for two yeah but actually I should rewind even before that because <laughs> in my late 20s when I was like 28 29 I had a boyfriend who said to me um you know you really need to do yoga he knew obviously what was coming down the line, but he said to me, and I was kind of going, oh, "Why, you know?" And he said, "Well, you you seem a bit kind of <laughs> a little bit strung out or up uptight." Anyway, and he had this, <laughs> I never forget it. So he had this tape. It was back then. That's how long ago. A cassette tape, and it was a woman in Galway. She had the most beautiful Galway accent. Um, and one side was, you know, quite slow yoga. You know, very hatha yoga. Um, and so I remember this guy, his name was Connor, and he put it on. And like, I remember us lying either, down either side, listening to it. And I was just like agitated for most of it. I was bored and agitated. But and it then, was kind of like a meditation or? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was Hatha yoga. It was very much, yeah. you know, a, a, a slow Hatha yoga. Okay, yeah. Um, and my, I was speedy at that stage, yes, you know. Yeah. Um, not just being in the twenties, but I was also busy, busy, and I was—I always had that sense of kind of being out, out all the time. But a couple of weeks later, I remember finding the cassette tape and seeing on the back it said Yoga Nidra. I didn't know what that meant, but I put it on, and that was me gone. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, what is this?" Because it was so incredible. Obviously, I now know it was my nervous system completely. Yeah. Uh, became regulated yeah and you just went into that lovely yogic sleep and I thought I remember I played that tape over and over and as a result of that that's when I started to do yoga um, okay yeah. first time in Bagot Street years ago um and then I I did the usual you know buy eight classes do one or two if you were lucky um and so I I remember making a conscious decision because I was so busy work-wise I was working with Mary the president Mary McAleese at the time and I couldn't get to yoga so much. So I saw this yoga teacher training. I had absolutely no interest in becoming a teacher, but teacher training that was every Wednesday for two or three hours, I can't remember, in the evening. And I thought, okay, I'll do that because at least that I know I'll get two to three hours every week. Um, and and that'll be over, that was over two years. So I did that. <clears throat> I think I started that at like 34, yep. And... Uh, that was utterly a game changer. Yeah. You know, a game changer. <laughs> Just blew everything. <laughs> Completely. And, and at that time, so that was in Dublin, was yoga, you know, was it on the scene or <laughs> underground? It was, it was pretty underground. I yeah. mean, it, you know, I remember when I went to those classes, like there weren't that many people at the classes. You'd probably have eight or nine, you know, in classes and they were busy classes. <clears throat> but yeah and it, it, it was really new when I think back then um, yeah there was none of this in Do very little I mean yoga was the only kind of healing modality of that yeah. you know of that sort that was in like the, there was 
very little natu- 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 naturopathy or yeah. kinesiology or anything like that. And what you started to feel... You sound like a dinosaur. Eh, no, no. Um, <laughs> what you started to feel, do you think it was... Um, you know, it's hard to kind of pinpoint these things, but can you remember any specific thing, what started to happen in the teacher training? Was it just reflecting on, oh my God, this is another option for me to slow down? Or was it the physical effects that you were enjoying? Or what kind of started to change there? Yeah, I think primarily it was that I was interrupting yeah. another way of being. Yeah. And I was interrupting it consistently every Wednesday. Mm. And then I loved the philosophy. I mean, I just, it's because it was giving me new perspectives. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that was really um, mind-blowing for me. And then the, I, I, like, I naturally have a very stiff body. Mm. So it's hard for me. It was always hard um, for me to to be on the yoga mat. But that was why I needed to be there more, mm. in a way. Um so I was absolutely finding, I think more, it was initially, it was the, the philosophy and the yoga nidra, the relaxation, because it was mm. really disrupting mm. my way of being and my way of my worldview also. Mm. And then the physical came, actually, it was really, I only got more into the physical through movement and dance, because I think my body was, you know, kind deep, of holding on holds so yeah. much tension and held on exactly. Yeah. So it was when I was able to move a little freer and I love dance and I love music that's when I really dropped in more into the body, mm. you know. And I do I do remember thinking, you know, when I, you know, when I had a personal crisis later in my 30s, and I was like, my God, I, like I've been doing yoga for this four years and I've been teacher training, but how am I still out of my, like completely not in my body? And I think it, now I know looking back, it was that. It was more a sense, I just couldn't get into the body. It was mm. just too much... And it's so interesting that you say that, um, you, you know, somehow you fell into this teacher training and somehow then it started to have these effects. And then when it came to a few years later and the crisis emerged or the turmoil started to show up, it's it's almost like it was a gift there waiting to be unpackaged. You know, maybe just a little prep or a little sort of, okay, you're going to need this a bit more. Yeah, like, it was yeah. my parachute, really. Yeah. Really. At that, I know, I mean, now it was because I knew, I didn't even think about it. I just knew, okay, I need, I, I need to, this is my go-to. Yeah. The yoga, the mat. Yeah. Sitting in meditation. I started sitting daily That back then. I just, from just that training, I suppose, and from the practice, I knew that was was the place I had to go to. Mm. Um, and you, like you said, this um, question then you had um, after a couple of years, like how you know how how can this be happening? And I've been doing yoga for such a long time, or that kind of thing. And I think that happens a lot of us. You know, we almost assume, all right, well, life will just you know meander on now swimmingly because I've taken on a practice. <laughs> but it's sort of like we kind of have to we still have to live and the things still happen and then maybe from some of the practices we can draw wisdom but they're not going to solve the the problems well they're not yeah they're not going to make life perfect yes exactly in fact i think you practice to become imperfect yeah in a way that has been my journey and and to uh, open to the messiness because what i saw in my life was there was a perfectionist in me of 
you know, being the good girl and being the one who was, you know, achieve, achieve, high achiever and, you know, with that comes perfectionist tendencies. Um, and so, yes, what happens, and I this happened to me, you know, you become the yoga teacher and then you want to be the perfect yoga teacher yeah. or the perfect body or the, you know, the perfect zend out, uh, you know, Buddha or whatever, you know. Yeah. And actually, it's the, the, the rigor of the practice is much more that it allows me to create stability in my life so that I can disidentify with all of those. So yeah. I, I, I loosen my, my identification with being the perfect girl or the perfect yoga teacher or the perfect wife or whatever it is. It's that's the joy of these practices for mm. me is and I mean it's not joyful all the time but and then it, it allowed me really particularly my my meditation practice but equally then in onto the mat um to just really that Taoist idea of ten thousand joys and ten thousand sorrows that you know that that's the real tantra of everyday living is can I be open to the devastation of my life which we all hit those points of devastation moments in the day or moments during our lives and if I can be with those can I also really open to the joy and the utter magnificence um, and the bliss of moments in my mm. life and it's like that's the thing to me it's like can we live in that dynamic way mm. and it's yeah without that's actually being a perfect part, yeah like yeah. that's a part of the yoga nidra um, I was just going through this with a group recently but you know in the yoga nidra when it has um for anyone listening, there's like one description in Yoga Nidra where you might bring yourself through, the teacher will lead you through experience of cold yes. or warmth, yeah. but then equally through uh, pain and pleasure. And the discussion kind of comes up like, why do we want to experience pain? But it's that idea that if you can actually touch it a small bit, feel into it, that it g gives you the gateway to actually feel real pleasure. So otherwise we're like you described that kind of holding in the middle kind of going exactly. neither neither <laughs> absolutely yeah. and we're trying yeah. to balance and this kind of thing of all balance and I'll, I might I might let myself go into the joy a little bit but yeah but ultimately it is about that polarity which I think is such a critical uh, just the awareness of how we live in this dualistic world which is mm. polarity yeah you know? so yes there is pain and there is also ease mm. and but we we cannot expect if we're expecting to always be at ease in the ease, then we will even more be in more pain because that yeah. is impossible. Yeah. So it's yeah. like that's what I love, and maybe yeah, it's lovely that you remind me about that with yoga nidra, um, because that is that to me is about how do we live fully, and in that, you know, there is the moments of when you fail and you are so utterly uh, contracted and vulnerable and you just feel like you don't know what to feel um but you let yourself be yeah worked by that failure and by mm. those feelings because you know if you let that work you actually it will it will bring you into real success which mm. is actually the capacity to be in success and failure yeah and i heard you describe like you were saying um earlier this idea of the term patriarchal is more in reference to how the system is like and I heard you describe this as more it may be like a linear focused um, 
growth towards achievement and it just keeps going up like rungs of a ladder so I guess what you're describing there is kind of like you're embracing more like it kind of goes around in twists and turns yeah and it's like oh today it didn't go so well but tomorrow then it might go and if I can be with myself and the discomfort of it not going well yeah rather than just the hope that it'll be better tomorrow but actually if I can just meet myself in the places where it's not going well yeah actually what happens is that gets transmuted those those feelings get transmuted and suddenly it's like it is a figure eight like we're both doing Mm. it in the air here yeah it is the figure eight of polarity yeah and when you have two polarities when you can be beyond either polarity Mm. then a third thing arises which is that capacity to be with with everything that is arising Mm. and say in your experience like if you're having a day or rewind like 10 years and if you were having a day where there was a perceived oh I've messed up here there's a failure what would you have faced that or what would have been the past marry not 10 years ago no way I mean and I I, you know I faced quite a few failures along the way and little by little this you work this it's a process you know Mm. it's not like again it's about going into that mindset of okay if I'm going to be like a perfect human being I'm going to be able to deal with failure it's not that is really important that actually what what we realize is this is such a process of growth and changing our neurology and developmentally as adults. So 10 years ago, um, where I would have gone with failure is I would have hidden it from the world. Um, with like any imperfection, um, I would have definitely, I would have gone, crawled into a, some kind of cave and I would have been mortified and full of shame and absolutely wouldn't have come out or if I did come out and out into the public or out out and about I would have been pretending everything was fine but Mm. denying this deep uh, vulnerable side of me Um, and constantly trying to instead of dropping into that place and meeting the shame and, and speaking about it or you know talking to somebody about it whether you know a friend or somebody you know like an ally or I suppose a therapist either but I would have brought it to therapy at that stage I suppose but I still wouldn't have done what now I know I do because I've life gives you offers you these opportunities and I had a a failure um I remember you know I could do what what's funny now that I'm thinking about it is (laughs) 10 years ago I was just about able to to accept that I was could do a personal failure in my personal relationships because I was kind of used to it at that stage <laughs> yeah. but it was when I got when the professional failure happened mm. that for me was like it was such a it was such a difficult place to be for me it was the hard but that's the place I learned what failure really is and how what happens in my system with failure um, and how to be with it and how you know I remember the, the moment that I was facing a particular uh, personal failure and they can be small but you know this was this felt like a big one um, but they can be as small as like a, a retreat not selling out and yes, you're kind yeah. of mortified and you think yeah. oh, geez, the whole world is looking at me and I'm useless mm. but then <clears throat> in that moment when I, and I learned this from the Celtic Wheel was I ask myself, what needs to die here? So a failure to me is a disruption in the in what we think is 
is the way we want life to go. And then the disruption happens and then that's a Samhain moment, which I learned from the wheel. <clears throat> and Samhain always asks you, the invitation of Samhain is to say, what needs to die? You know, what is no longer serving you? And I believe any failure is like a conflict or a disruption. And and so in those moments, I do, I remember in one particular case, I, I, I knew part of what needed to die was my always self-sacrificing myself, even in professional terms, that I would, you know, um, or say, say for instance, um, I just remember coaching uh, a team and, you know, one of the, one, it just one of the people on the team kind of said, you know, she just doesn't get me, which was, he was, and he was an important um, member of the team. And that I was like, it was so hard, you mm. know, it was like, wow, because I had to face the marry that maybe isn't good at coaching, isn't, mm. isn't so brilliant. And that was so hard, but I knew from the work I was doing with, in my own development, um, was that I, I really had to be with that. And it was like, okay, what is showing up here? You know, and part of what I was training these this team to do was to receive feedback. How do they receive feedback? How do they give feedback? And so I realized, okay, I need I need to listen because I've been telling them they need to receive back. This is feedback from me. Mm. So I always feel like failure like that is feedback from the field. Mm. That we're all in an energetic field. Feedback from the field. And then it's asking me to take responsibility in some way. Not in a burden burdensome way, but take responsibility in a way that is, actually, this is a growth edge. This can be a real growth edge mm. if I really move into it. And um, what part was self-sacrificing you mentioned that there like was it sacrificing that you didn't wish to receive feedback or was maybe that wasn't that I think that wasn't the one that I needed to set the self-sacrifice well Mm. it was in a way because Mm. I was kind of I had had a tendency to kind of not to have the boundaries that you know enough boundaries in a way that where I'm I'm giving too much yes okay yeah giving too much yeah it's not serving the situation yeah so the self-sacrifice comes from the fact that I'm giving. But if you go deep into that, it's like what's underneath that giving all the time and giving so much, it's like there is a kind of deficiency mm. in sense yeah. of, in like, um, do I really believe that I am a good coach or yes. a good yoga teacher? Yeah. Or Because if if I did really believe then that I wouldn't be giving so much. And mm. it, so it's it's like even talking about it, I can feel it. Like a reminder. Yeah, yeah, I can feel it yeah. in my system still. Yeah. But it's it's so good to speak about it because I don't think people talk that much about this stuff. No. Know? And I think it's really, it's just about being human. Yes. And it's through those disruptions and failures and that actually we really grow. Mm. Um, and if I can... And in the, you mentioned there that conflict or disruption is an invitation to almost let something die or let something go or kind of an invitation then for the new so like um a new space can be born out of that how would you speak to or how would you see that is with with interacting so you can do that within your own system and you can see okay what's going on here like I'm very scared of failure what's beneath that what needs what do I need to let go and it might be a belief or something 
Um, so then within maybe two people yeah. or a team of people, you've done a little bit of work in yeah. conflict. Conflict yeah. is an area I love, you yeah. know, because I had to learn the hard way around yeah. conflict. You know, I, I was very disempowered in any conflict situation and that left me um, very uh, vulnerable in my life. So I, I really worked with that. Again, as part of my development, it was a very important piece and as part of becoming more sovereign as a woman in the world too. But it's a great question because like if you go back to the individual, so me dealing with myself, uh, something, a disruption happens or a failure, the first place I must must go to is I must regulate myself. So I don't go into like, oh, well, what needs to die? I first have to regulate my nervous system, which mm. is in huge threat. So it's in deep discomfort. Something is, have been... Um, kind of triggered. Triggered, or, yeah. yeah, hugely. Like it's the, you know, failure is one of the most dangerous pieces because you think you're going to be kicked out of the tribe. So mm. in evolutionary terms, it, it has the whole system in threat. So then I, so I regulate myself. So when you're in a... Um, when you're in the interpersonal space, it's first, I must regulate myself, no matter what happens. So if, if a conflict arises, the danger, the often what happens is, you know, our, our, we go into the self-protection mode um, and then we start to take, take, take up positions and where our system is really threatened, it's very difficult to stay in, in relationship with the other person. So what I've learned is, the first thing I must do, even though it's it's hard in the beginning to do it, is I must regulate myself, and then we can co-regulate. If mm. you're working with somebody, so I regulate myself. Then I notice, oh wow, that person, like their facial expressions. If you if you look at any of the work, what's the work of Stephen Porges? You know his work around the vagus nerve and the mm. facial expressions. So when, and it's come. There's a there's a, an instance coming to me uh, around that where I I was triggered. And the first, the first impulse is to either, for me, either withdraw or try and harmonize. But what I did was I just regulated. I noticed, oh, there's, there's anxiety and threat here. So I named it and I had put my hand on my hand silently, said to myself, it's okay, it's okay, mm. which is the self-compassion piece. So that helped regulate my system. Then I was able to receive the other person and I could see that the face of the other person was kind of contorted and I saw they are in such threat and immediately I was able to stay in relationship because I thought okay and I was able to then put myself in their shoes not not like think about their situation I was literally I know this person so well and I knew all that all their history and I knew actually so I just stayed so it allowed so then we co-regulate so I'm able to stand and stay and then the other person was able to hold it as mm. well because like they've done a lot of work on mm. me on this area now it's not always that easy mm. and it's it's not easy even saying it it was hard because mm. that part of me that just wants to just run or make everything okay is is not wanting to you know stay in relationship in a in an in a in a a way that I can still hold my ground and still stay in relationship mm. and and not need to make them feel better. Mm. It's a massive learning. Um, I think that's very pertinent at the moment. You know, and like how we began, maybe speaking to, you know, if we're hearing uh, about politics or climate crisis or anything, you know, if 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 all of us, the politicians, and all of us had these 
tools like how can I listen mm. how can I stay present like what's actually happening here I like I think it gives you a sense of being able to turn up and work without maybe it being interrupted by all of our like what's happening mm. inside us you know so maybe it's work with someone who you had a previous conflict with but then that never got resolved yeah. so then it's sparking up something else or that kind of and it of takes thing. up so much energy yes you know yeah. and it's gone in the shadow or gone underground mm. usually or else it's the conflict is so so um expressed that they, you can't be in the, the with the other person mm. so yeah I, I think that's a really good point um and i think that goes back to bringing more humanity to the center of work and the center of um politics everything you know it's mm. like so important because you know this is what it means to really bring your full self to work and mm. actually it's a true force for good in the mm. world but it isn't easy it's messy yeah and we don't like messy in work usually. yeah <laughs> yeah so we're usually and i think that's that's how i've sensed it or felt it that in my own internal experience when like that word you use when i regulate and i've kind of got a sense of you know oh i felt a bit insecure there or even if i just get awareness about it i'm not making it disappear or go away but that if the awareness piece is there and the you know nervous system regulation it's like then you can focus more you know you can focus all right well we've this project to do or you've got something to get done whereas if i'm you know not aware i'm not regulated it's like then everything's scatty like you can't yeah. focus on work and maybe it starts to feel anxious or yeah you know that and i mean it's neurologically it's like the brain is no longer uh integrated you mm. know all the differentiated parts of the brain once they they come into integration like that is that is what we want because then we are in coherence and then we can really, as you say, just get on with it. Because actually, the other way, it's either everything is all over the place and scatty and, uh, and, and, or else it's very narrowed and contracted. Mm. So what we want is, to, in order to work, is to be much more spacious or to do anything. More spacious and that integration in the brain and the different parts, the limbic and the brainstem and the prefrontal cortex, all of those, once they are integrated, that is, you know, a real sense of calm. Mm. really and coherence is I suppose the word people use so, so the, the whole system is coherence and once you have coherence you're just more available mm. to everything and, to life. and the people you've worked with with this kind of work you know resolving conflict or managing conflict what kind of things or do you notice any patterns come up with people in maybe specifically the Irish context or is it you know always unique to the group or is there any uh, yeah, well, there's always the unique to the group. Um, there's always the, the slightly uh, more nuanced pieces to the group. But generally, it's, you know, we're all humans and we are all threatened by mm. by conflict and then how we show up. Um, I think the most beneficial piece is to know, like, how, what was the family system in mm. a way? Like, what, what, how did your caregivers or your mother or father show up in, in uh, conflict? And that gives you a good sense about maybe how how you can tolerate it. So some people can really tolerate high levels of intensity and threat, mm. and there are people who can really stay in a and in a fight almost or in a in a high conflict. And then there are people who absolutely are gone from the moment 
there's any kind of sense of difference because mm. ultimately it's it's the polarity of sameness in sameness we're all it's all very harmonious we all like you know you know you know when you're with your tribe of people that they just get you, you they're kind of like you you know they've shared values <laughs> yeah. that's sameness there's, yeah. there is very little conflict there's no conflict there but then when you go into that place where conflict has really escalated you're in the exaggerated difference like you're mm. it's absolutely exaggerated difference and there are loads of there's loads along the road there where people some people as i say can you know pretend you tend potentially can stay in it i didn't have that nervous system where i could stay i would just like run for the hills or i'd be like making sure everyone was okay can we just all be happy yeah so that's a really that shows up over and over and over and over again Mm. yeah i mean that's a really interesting one Mm. to and it's 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 freeing in a way when you can start to know actually I can change my nervous system mm. and I can change my how I how I respond to yes. conflict yeah, and definitely. that there are upsides and downsides to every style. Mm. You know, there's as the harmonizer or the 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 one who cooperates like that's an amazing style to have mm. if you're uh, if you need to really get people working. If you're a mediator, together. facilitator, if you're a, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. But you know the the more assertive kind of competitive style is also amazing because it's very clear and it's it puts the boundaries down and there's a lot there's a, a lot of upsides to that too but mm. on the downsides they can be seen as aggressive and be kind of found yeah. to be difficult around so yeah there's a lot yes lots of yeah and in that like you know you mentioned there about kind of understanding your familial learned patterns and behaviors you know, I suppose that there's a sense that, okay, some, once we acknowledge it, that it's malleable, you know, you can kind of have a sense of, oh, I picked that up there, and yeah, I definitely was influenced there, but that it doesn't, it's not stuck in, oh, well, that's who I've defined to be, or that kind of thing, yeah. And that's, isn't that amazing, though? Yeah, To know that, and science tells us now. Yeah. That, yeah. you know since the late 90s that the brain is malleable like we can keep growing and and evolving until the moment of our last breath you know? yeah and yeah that's phenomenal yeah it is and so <laughs> liberating really. yeah, yeah definitely yeah. yeah so in um say your work then at the moment you're working with um this Celtic wheel mm-hmm. and you ran uh, one course last year is that yes yeah, I ran yeah. through the last cycle and we're just coming to the end of it this time yeah okay yeah and in that like does that um wisdom like are you diving deep into uh, enabling or facilitating people to do their own self-reflection on this kind of thing like learned behaviors cultural patterns that kind of thing is it circling around that or? yeah yeah absolutely i mean yeah. i'm I, i'm of the view that as a teacher i'm not interested in broadcasting and telling people this is the way it is i'm more interested in creating circumstances and offering the invitation to to get some to get insights to glean insights from you know so what i share is very much has been tracked how i tracked my own journey um in the last 14 15 years as a woman um and the the journey depends you can do it in three ways but you on a on different levels but the journey through the celtic wheel has primary it's primarily the framework is the celtic wheel so it's celtic wisdom um which is 
amazing wisdom and that's the wisdom of our ancestors but I'm also really interested and it's very important to me to bring in the, the wisdom that's emerging now also from science and neuroscience and uh, you know there's there's so such amazing wisdom arising from conversations that I'm hearing uh, between people about the meaning crisis that we're facing so I want that comes in and then my practices because I've I have you know I would have studied a lot of wisdom traditions so even though the primary um, way of being or the primary teaching is around the, the, the um, Celtic mm -hmm. I also bring in you know it's it's other practices from other traditions mm. because what to me is the most important thing is about the journey of us reclaiming our feminine and when you when you reclaim your buried feminine your healthy masculine arises so a lot of the practices say in the dark part of the year which is when the feminine principle is dominant which is starting in Samhain um, October 31st that runs for a whole year or for a whole half year so half the cycle is the dark part of the cycle and half is the light the dark is the feminine and the, the light is the masculine so when I was doing a lot of my work around what's been my journey as a woman to go from quite that sense of I suppose in a way I was disempowered feeling a bit of the victim um, uh, life had kind of been hard on me when back in my late 30s <clears throat> and my journey then was to move from that into a place of more sovereignty which is you know where I'm much more centered in myself and I you know I have the authority I am over myself not in a not in an egotistical way, but in a very connected, very deeply into my own wisdom. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I'm answering the question. Or yeah, you are. And I, I have two questions. Mm. Uh, when you say the word sovereign, yeah. can you describe what you mean there? Well, sovereign is, it's, it's a word that's really interesting and has come up. It's, it's a very ancient concept in, in the Celtic tradition. Um, so sovereignty as i understand it is my capacity to self-alter so a bit like what you were talking about where people don't necessarily let the narratives the not the narratives that are cultural narratives actually define them mm -hmm. that they have a sovereignty uh, they have enough of their own centeredness and enough of their own self-awareness and agency in the world um that they just choose no I, this is this is what feels really true for me this is my truth um and i'm going to act on that and i'm going to really respect you also mm. in your truth and that's what i mean about sovereignty um and to so to move from the more socialized in it's robert keegan's terms who it's developmental uh, adult development in harvard he talks about the, the we move in adult development stages from the uh, socialized mind which is like we care about what everyone thinks about mm. us you know we all I mean I still have that um, and you don't just immediately move from the socialized mind to the to the self-authoring mind um, we're all at different stages of that but there, there is a move and when you start to self go to the self-authoring I definitely feel sovereignty come your your mm. your sense of your own sovereignty it's like I'm not afraid to stand up and say who I really am 
I'm not afraid to be kicked out of the tribe or kicked out of the friends. I actually need to speak from this place. Mm. And I then uh, will allow, I can hold the capacity to hold perspectives, other people's perspectives without being triggered. Mm. To be able to be, that's for me what sovereignty is. Okay, yeah. And what's lovely about it is that's very alive for me today, but the whole concept of sovereignty in the Celtic world was like the goddess of the land held the sovereignty, the power, and she bestowed it on the king. So when the king was uh, being inaugurated or being, um, when he was becoming the king, I can never know how to say that properly, but anyway, he's becoming the king. <laughs> Crowns. He was being crowned. <laughs> the king of the tribe, you mm-hmm. know, when he... The, the land was the sovereignty the goddess of the land gave him the sovereignty so she held that power which meant that if he did not stay in alignment if he did not stay in and hold his, his, his be true to himself mm-hmm. and the tribe then there would be famine the land would not be abundant there mm. would be you know um there would be famine there would be uh the land just wouldn't support the tribe mm. so it, I think that's a lovely motif from the Celtic tradition that's so relevant for today mm. you know and it speaks so much to the coming back of that feminine part of us too as women yeah that was my second question mm. the reclaiming you mentioned reclaiming our divine feminine or our feminine aspects and you know, just before we started recording, we were speaking a little bit how, um, within my own family, we were just chatting about this recently, how some of the stories that we were told in school, like, just broadly omitted facts that were <laughs> true from Celtic history and Celtic tales and mythology. Um, and it's kind of like, sometimes I feel like it's a bit like that in modern, say, um, marketing where we're told yeah. a certain thing like say for example cigarettes cigarettes in the like maybe what 20s 30s yeah. were you know they're great and there's no problems with them da, da, da. and like then underneath all of that was oh actually they do cause huge problems for your lungs and so it's like they, a, they cause you to die yeah, yeah like so a huge fact was omitted there so the story we all believed oh well it's great to smoke we would have made a different choice if we'd had all the facts and yeah. I think then like what you're saying with the divine feminine or our feminine aspects if we had all the facts we'd make different choices and it's like sometimes part of us is so buried or not told to us or we only see men in the stories as the the heroes mm. or the powerful ones that we don't have the even like for me I know my sense was I didn't even know it was a choice yeah. to yeah. to be powerful <laughs> you know yes. that kind of thing I think yeah. yeah two things there that are yeah I think absolutely you know we are the uh the result of the stories that have been told yes um, yeah. and the stories that were lived out um but also there is that right now in our world it's like it's not good enough just to say okay well this has happened to us because you know we were never told now it's time to to drop that and go okay what can I do Mm. and I know it's not easy if you're feeling disempowered but actually like it's like these kind of podcasts that people can say we can say actually 
you know, it's time to move out of that kind of femme fatale or that or that more victim place because it's not doing us any good. And actually know that you have the power. Know mm. that. But but it takes work. Yeah. And it yes. takes the capacity or the the takes the time um to actually be willing to be with yourself and with all that's going on for you. Mm, definitely. Yeah. And I think yeah, it's kind of a mix because when I hear other people like yourself speak or other examples of people like that who you say have done the work or you know can kind of role model or you're offering your journey now you get you now have the opportunity to go yes I can do this too or you know anyone listening can say yeah I resonate with that or that makes sense to me um and I think it's it's both because there's a little acceptance of how I actually never heard this before. Yes. You know, that kind of way. Totally. So it's like almost a little healing of that part. Yeah. And then kind of embracing the new. It's okay, both yeah. and. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I think that's that's really important. But if, if, if you think even for a minute, and this is only when I moved myself out of the victim, that I would catch myself just in that victim place that we're actually just embodying all the stories of the victim mm. when we do that. So I would catch myself and go, oh my God, that's the victim voice, the voice of the victim. Okay, what happens if I don't follow that? Yes. And it was literally just those moments where I would go, you know, it's so easy to get caught and fall into the victim Mm. and be like, poor me. And like, you know, when I think about a lot of stuff that happened to me, I'm not surprised in a way, but in a way it was was the invitation was to go, okay, now are you going to step into your life or are you just going to let life keep happening to you? Yes. And yeah. so, yeah, I'd catch myself and go, there's the victim. So if I, if I listen to that and continue with that thought and go down that rabbit hole, my, the trajectory of my life yeah. is going to be very different than yes. if I go, I wonder what would happen if I didn't listen to that. And it, you don't know what's going to happen, but it's, it's definitely not going to have you down that kind of dark. Yeah. yeah. And I, the, I had a really, you know, similar sort of situation to that um when I was in my own therapy I remember having a really dark day sort of thinking like I've you know I'm not getting anywhere with this and you know I'm such a mess and blah 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 like that kind of thinking and I was in my session and you know just crying and sort of down about the whole thing and it was when my therapist turned around and said but you're here like so that's the other side of you you feel like a victim you feel like you've messed up and you've done all the things but there's something still arising going you got here and you're working so it was like it was existing in me and it exists for all of us we can have both capacities again like the polarities yeah we can be right down and go oh I've failed I'm MS whatever yeah but also there is well you're actually thinking about it and you're self-reflecting and you're you're trying Mm. so it's kind of leaning you know or noticing both and going okay (laughs) yeah I like I still have those days I still have those moments where I just think what is the point and like (laughs) you know it's like Jesus uh I just I know those moments so well and it's but it's it's that mindful moment the moment where you are aware that you are gone into the victim. That's the moment there's space between you and the victim. Yes. And in that yeah. moment, you have a choice. Mm. And that's what I'm so grateful for, for our practice. The practice gives me that because the 
practice always is, is bringing me back to what's here, what am I noticing, yeah. you know, and that more silent witness yeah. that has the capacity to Yeah, to, definitely. To I liked, um, I was listening to you speaking um, with Rory, if anyone wants to listen to that one as well. Um, you had mentioned something about... Uh, you know, it's always the work in progress, this idea like this, the self-work and the reflecting. And I think even in that, we can get kind of um, recoiled, like you were mentioning about the perfectionist, like we can kind of get recoiled to like, oh, well, I, I did my therapy and now I should yeah. be over that. Absolutely. And it's almost, again, if we look at... Um, like you say, sometimes you have a moment and then you move to the next moment. Yeah. That it kind of just keeps weaving. And that as long, I suppose, that maybe if we have some sense of travelling forwards within the weave, yeah. that's kind of like what we're going towards. <laughs> yeah, it's... Because I think we've, we've, been, we've learned how to think so linearly. Yeah. Because we live in a linear world, or have been. Um, and the new world that's emerging is not that... Uh, and so it's very much more like book minister Fuller who I love he was a, a futurist and amazing man but he talks about that we're you know we're verbs we're not nouns mm. but we've in the in the rational more um, uh, linear world which is rational and linear are really important we're not one to throw them out but in that world we see ourselves more as nouns as kind of like okay well I'll have you know get to this place and my next self-improvement project will get me to this place and then that'll be fabulous and I'll I'll be you know perfect or I'll be I will have arrived there is no arrival mm. really you know it, that's how I view my life that's my perspective and it's a perspective that gives me so much freedom um there is a great phrase from uh Qigong Trumpa who was a, a, a great Tibetan um teacher in the states he said um, we're <laughs> the bad news is that we're falling through the air without a parachute. The good news is that there's no ground. <laughs> and I love that. Like mm. when I heard that, it was like, oh right. Um, I, I know there's somebody else told me recently that they were at a talk and and the speaker said the first thing out of his mouth. He's an American businessman. He said, I just want to say that everything is always out of control. Mm. And it's that sense of like we 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 we're trying to you know control things and manipulate things and trying to get things in order and they're just not in order particularly right now on the planet and so the more we can think in terms of like i'm a verb something is emerging through me today uh, i'm growing i am changing and so is the person opposite me and they're just doing their best there's this kind of generosity that comes with that and a sense of kind of expansiveness for me anyway um and i think that's what we need more in the world mm. of that um so it's more of that process rather than goal-oriented. Goal-oriented mm. has got us, has its place, but it has it has landed us a lot in, uh, a lot of, I think I feel the real self-critic voice inside me anyway comes when I'm in that goal-oriented place. Um, and I was, even when I was launching the Celtic Wheel last year, you know, um, I it just came to me in late September and the first season in the Celtic Wheel is Samhain which is in October so I had like less than a month to, to kind of put it all together I'd never done an online program da 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 and I remember going okay I'll just do it in 2019 because I'll just get my ducks lined up and I'll have everything you know I'll have all the modules done and up and I just went no 
that's not how we do it anymore. It's it's more like can we do it with that design thinking mind? Like okay, I'm gonna I'm just gonna do it, and then let's see what happens mm. and and learn from the feedback from the field and then iterate it. And that's mm. what's happened. But it's a really it's so hard to do that when you're used to like when you're identified with being seen in a particular way. Mm. And I, I mean, I still have moments where I'm just like, oh, Jesus, I don't have, you know, I'm not, I don't have this as tidy as I'd like it to have. have mm. it. So that to me is about that process. And I, I don't know whether that I've just gone off. Yeah, no, that. no, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like that, like, you know, having space to, you know, feeding this idea of feminine like what I'm sensing from you or hearing is that it's a more nurturing or compassionate or expansive position and then that now feeds into how you're actually working to share this with others so it's not like you're showing up with this boom 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 we have this to do and we're going to get it done because then that (laughs) would be yeah like that would be almost like a counterintuitive to the knowledge that you're transmitting or, it's 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 yeah. not it just doesn't it's not congruent so yes. it actually cannot i cannot show up like that and mm. when you do a launch like it's really hit me i had you know i had to really see you know a particular model of launching is you know you've got to be out there on every platform and you've got to be sending emails daily and da 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 and i just you know, in the beginning, I was thinking, okay, yeah, maybe this is what I need to follow. But then this is where the sovereignty comes. I, in my heart and my soul, was like, no, it's having an effect on my nervous system. There's too much noise already out there. I don't want that to yeah. be the case. So that's where I stood in my own sovereignty. And I went, actually, when I sit on my cushion and I feel into it and I ask the question, what, what needs to happen here? I really get the answer or is this mm. like is the launch the way and the, and the answer comes really deep from my heart and mm. I trust that yeah um, but it is that I think it's I think it's useful to just no it's not that we give up the the masculine part of us because I couldn't put a launch on I couldn't I couldn't produce a program like this if I didn't have my masculine online which the masculine maybe it's useful to kind of talk about or define those pieces because not everybody they can be confusing so as you know every human being has a masculine aspect and a feminine the tendency is women um are, have a tendency to be more feminine essence not always but there, you know there would be usually more feminine essence in most women um so what i see is the journey is that most women have even though we are deeply have a feminine essence we have kind of sacrificed that on the altar of the of the doing and of the over masculine way of being in the world so when we do that then we we show up in the unhealthy masculine and then no really very little feminine unhealthy feminine which is collapse and victim mm-hmm. um so the so could you give um like would you have sort of a modern and like picture for us of who what that would look like like what would that woman look like when she's showing up in masculine like over masculine yes over masculine qualities i don't have to give any woman (laughs) you're looking at her here i have such a tendency you know so like yesterday or the day before so right now i have like the launch i've got a retreat this weekend 
Um, Leave this Naomi one comment. This <laughs> Naomi one comment. I had to do some videos for the for content, um, and I'm trying to do my taxes, and it's like I just found myself in the laptop trying to do all those things and trying to juggle them all, and that's what that's what we do. You know, mm. we go into that square screen and we're gone down into that rabbit hole. Um, and I was also teaching mindfulness um, as well. So I was still teaching. So all of this. So the first thing I have to do in that situation is realize, okay, I am completely in my overdrive mm. in the emotional regulation system. I'm in overdrive. So what happens? What does that mean? That means there's dopamine pumping around my body. Mm. And when there's dopamine pumping around my body, it's really hard for me to put my phone down. It's really hard for me to pull myself out of the laptop. Um, it's I can't, it's almost impossible for me to sit down and do a body scan or you know something that I know will help me. So what I would do in that situation is I either put on some music and dance, and that gets me out of that angular, contracted, narrowed masculine into that kind of more free loosening of the body. Um, so I that's where I go in order I go dance or I'd say I'll go up Kalini Hill or up the hill and go among trees and sit and go just like notice how wired I am so mm. that's the over masculine and that's what had me burnt out in my late 30s it, you can see it's still a mode that I, that I know well yeah um, but I now at least it's know it's been grooved it's been yeah. grooved exactly, exactly. Yeah. that's a great description <laughs> yeah. it is being grooved and the more I groove the stronger that groove of the feminine and the less I'm willing to be in the laptop mm. um, and do you think say for fun. modern women um, I mean we're all modern women um, <laughs> we <but> are <laughs> say, what, the, what I mean is um, do you think like the, you were noticing these patterns when you were in your late 20s or your early 30s like, do you think for women now in their late 20s, early 30s, is it the exact same or is it different or is it a new shine on it? Or, you know, is, can you resonate with what they're expressing to you when you're working with these women? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, it's, it's definitely... I mean, I think there's, there's definitely uh, that sense of overwhelm and exhaustion I think in the early 20s less so although there's anxiety in, in the women more in that, that age bracket um, but there's this overwhelm and particularly women who are working and um, in the workplace and trying to juggle lots of things um, and through the 30s uh, I can't remember what like so I was saying do you think it's different than what you I do think it's yeah. different yeah but yeah. But then every generation is different, you mm. know. So what what was uh, driving us and me and my overdrive and my into that is very different to what's driving this neck this generation in their late twenties and thirties. Yeah, mm. I mean, of course, technology is going to be a big impact on them, um, but I don't know enough about that. But I do see it, um, and I just see it feels like it's ramping up even more. Mm. That's my sense. Um, yeah what do you what do you think about that the like our relationship with technology like do you have any sense of reflection on it or have you well i think again bring it back to polarity is always a, mm. a, pl a useful place to bring these things because there's an upside and a downside mm. so 
there is technology that um, if, we, if we use it well, I mean, you know, the fact that I can sit in my kitchen in Dublin and be connected to a web of women around the world who all feel very, you know, very connected to Ireland and to, to Celtic wisdom, like that's phenomenal, mm, you know, I mean, it's amazing. wow, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And that for every, for women and for me particularly, it's, you know, that's just, that's beyond incredible um, mm. when I even think about it right now, you know. Um, and then there is the downside, which I think we don't, we don't know, you know, we're only trying to get a handle on all of this because it's so new, you know. Um, so the downside, of course, is just like that. It's, it's addictive, you know, mm. it's that dopamine, which is the same reward uh, pathway as, as re in the brain as re uh, reward pathway as addiction and it's like I know it so well it's like can I put my phone down mm. when I when I'm in that place of very much you know being productive and kick pick, kick ass yes yeah so there is a huge downside to it mm. but I do think I think this is where we the more we become sovereign in ourselves, the mm. more we make those choices of like, okay, I'm, I need to leave my phone outside my yeah. bedroom yeah. or I need to, you know, I remember last week, I just felt that frazzle of overwhelm and I just knew what I need to do is turn it on, turn on my phone to airplane mode mm. and I turned on the phone and I just lay on my couch and with a hot water bottle for the evening and I just turned it off from five until the following um, seven, I think, in the morning or eight. Um, and, like, the difference in my state was amazing. I just lay in hot and watched a movie mm. from the 80s. And, <laughs> you know, so I used technology, but yeah. I, I, I interrupted my yes, dopamine. The constant, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And I went more into the soothing system. Yes, yeah. yeah, definitely. And, again, I think... I suppose my feeling on it goes to that self-awareness piece like yeah. oh I'm noticing here this you know I'm agitated and then you know making that choice okay that's enough of that now <laughs> like, exactly and yeah. it's not always easy yes but exactly. I think that, as you say that self-awareness is the key yeah that's definitely. the mindful oh what's happening I caught myself yeah without any judgment of that because mm. that's what we're all doing but just a kindness towards yourself and then, oh yeah, what choice will I make that would be wise? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So in um, the Celtic wheel, in the Celtic wisdom, you know, like these conversations we're having and we're moving forwards in time, aware of the current climate, you know, in all senses of that word, and then, you know, our technology and all this kind of thing. Like, what do you feel the Celtic wisdom brings us in connection with? Is it the past? Is it like the wisdom from the past? Or is it how actually, you know, that it's like almost universal themes that can yeah. kind of be carried through time? Yeah, I think you're bang on. It's universal themes carried mm. through time. Wisdom that was lost. Yes. Um, yeah. And that really could help us make sense of these times mm. um like say for instance where we are now on the planet we're in the deep sound moment or years of sound where in sound is the disruption there's chaos there's crisis um so the seasons if you explain yep. that maybe a tiny bit the seasons that we experience in the celtic wheel as i understand there's you know like most listeners might understand um 
hopefully to understand like we have our seasons like spring yeah. summer autumn winter yeah and then what you're speaking to just there is there's almost more like an earthly an earthly seasoning seasonal shift as such as well well it's like, it's this it's definitely with the it's it's based on the rhythms of nature in yeah. the northern hemisphere around the celtic you know as they would have appeared or would appear in the celtic nations yes you yeah know, around in yeah. ireland scotland Brittany, Wales, all around there. Um, and it's eight seasons. So they look, the, the Celtic wheel has, uh, takes in the solstices and the equinoxes. So that's really the cycle around the sun, of the sun around the earth. Um, and then the four other festivals, which are in between each of those, are the, they're, they're the earth festivals or fire festivals. And they're where really the tribe and the land interacted. Um, so that splits, if you think of it as a circle, and you've got our pie with eight slices. Mm. Um, and normally, we, you know, in the more Western uh, world, or well, the Celts were Western as well, but more the contemporary world, you know, everything starts in the morning, everything starts at New Year, you know, the year starts. In the, with the Celtic world, it, the, the New Year is in October, just when we're heading into the darkness, the mm. deepest darkness. So everything starts in the darkness. Um, they celebrated their festivals on the eve. So they have a real honouring of the darkness and of disruption and of things being more chaotic um, in order that things have to fall apart in order mm. for something new to emerge. And we so, didn't have to um, put bright lights and tinsel on it to exactly. make it feel better. <laughs> exactly. But that would come at winter solstice. Yeah. So after we've gone deep and will uh, willingly surrendered to this darkness a bit like what's happening on the planet like we are we don't know what's happening so you drop you start to let go of things that no longer serve you suddenly you're in this void you don't know who you are who you might be so you're in deep uncertainty if you let yourself surrender into that actually what will happen is you the winter at the winter solstice if you if you know anything about celtic lore or celtic tradition uh, or celtic um, mythology is in Newgrange the sun penetrates the the, the, mm -hmm. um, the chamber at Newgrange so it's a deep dark that the moment of the of the summer solstice is born just at the very darkest night of the soul so as we I think are coming towards the dark night of the soul on this planet if we're not already in it that actually something new is going is being born out mm. of this and yeah, my question to that was, um, like, do you mean when you say on the planet, do you mean it's, you know, over these few months or do you no, mean there's like no, a global No, no, this is a bigger of, cycle. Yeah. yeah so what's that bigger cycle then? Is that like divided again? No, it's, it's, you can, like, you can take, this is actually, I probably wasn't very clear about that. So, you know, when you work, when you work with the wheel, what you're basically doing is learning how to work with different energies in any cycle. Yeah. So in a creative cycle, there's mm. always the destruction mm. in order for something new to be born. But there's the waiting, there's the being in a bit of that chaos, then there's what new wants to emerge. So you're, you're actually going through the Celtic wheel. You are learning to work with these energies in a way that's skillful. Um, so then you can apply that. So when, when things fell apart in my life, I went, oh, I'm, this is Samhain. Yes. This is Samhain. Yeah. It might have been the middle of May. Yeah. But it's actually okay. a Samhain. Yeah. And so 
the bigger and the bigger cycle of the planet and humanity, we are in a sowing towards winter solstice moment. Yeah. And how long do we know it's not going to last? That's or? the whole thing with sowing. <laughs> you don't ever know. And this is the part, the mind who wants yeah. to be in spring. It's like, yeah. come on, let's get to let's get to it all being better. Yeah. And it, that's, that's, <laughs> to that's, have a date. <laughs> exactly. And that's what's the hardest part in a way, but it's because it, it asks us to be in the world in a very different way mm. where we're connected to the more continuous cosmos rather than this linear mind which is like okay when is it over and when can we all mm. get back to normal and can when can we feel safe again mm. and that's it's i mean i know it even as i say it it's like so much of us want want to have that certainty and where's the ground beneath our feet and are we going to be extinct in 11 mm. years what can we do um and there's a, a big part of this practice is to really recognize there's chaos there's uncertainty now how can i regulate myself with that mm. how can i stay available to what evolution actually wants to move through me because mm. if i'm in stuck in fear and if i'm completely frozen with fear then your evolution isn't going to move through you particularly mm. easily anyway yeah um, so does that make sense it I, does yeah and it's kind of like we've circled and wheeled back to that sense of you know in this sound moment and what you described was at the heart of that for you is is with the regulation with the practices is finding that sense for it's not hope like oh i hope it'll be over tomorrow but it's more a deeper hope of like I'm almost in connection to it doesn't last forever absolutely you know that kind of feeling yeah that's exactly it yeah (laughs) it's like something bigger is playing out here yeah um and that that's gorgeous how you said it there the hope you know it's connect that hope is connected into something yeah and you're right we've completely circled back yeah yeah so we're on our our spirals together But I'm How just very feminine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at the time and I have to be a little masculine here and go, okay, okay great. I better I not it. take you yeah. off your time. So thank you so much. I feel like we, um, yeah, it was a deep dive into all yeah. of the the wisdom you have to share. And uh, I'm sure. And yours, like yeah. the gorgeous wisdom that arose <laughs> from you in our conversations. It's a um, reciprocal. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. <laughs> So if anyone wants to look up, um, I don't think this will be in time for people to sign up this year, but if they want to look up your work and other things like that with the Celtic Wheel, where do they go to to do so that? So for the Celtic Wheel, it's uh, com. So it's yeah. com, And for anything else, um, it's marykennedy.com. Okay. M-A-R-I. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank Thanks you. So it's been much. lovely. <laughs> yeah. It's been gorgeous. Um thank you. <laughs>